everybody and welcome back to the home class movie chat where we talk about all things movies we're your host cat and paul a married couple who just really loves movies and doesn't get out quite enough we don't get out <laughs> we don't get out very much at all <laughs> but you know in all honesty if you've got your own home cinema which what which is what we have um and we've got the big screen and we've got great great eats great drinks great we don't have to go parking anywhere we don't have to sit next to annoying people why would we want to go out anywhere and we can bring the dog <laughs> and we can bring the dog the dog's got a permanent spot in in the cinema so really why would we want to go out and look this is where it's becoming more and more i see on youtube and you can search you know for yourself is that you can see more and more people having home cinemas. They're sick of going out and paying exorbitant amounts of money where you can go and buy a, a DVD quite reasonably for, you know, you know, 20 bucks. Um, and you got your own eats, your own drinks. And you basically just, you just got your own private cinemas. Now, so. now that being said, you may be thinking, oh, but I'm not like you. I can't afford a, a whole huge home cinema, big fancy <laughs> home cinema. Well, let me tell you, neither can we. And no. we don't. Um, we have the home cinema on a budget and it is absolutely perfect. We did splurge and we bought theater style reclining chairs. Uh, so that's really nice. So we have these beautiful recliners, but all I bought a projector from eBay for like a hundred, $120. And yeah. we set that up on a little shelf in the back of us. And we projected onto our wall, which is kind of an off-white, and we splurged. And how much did we get the sound bar for? Sound bar was about $120. Yeah, it was on sale. It was on a clearance sale yeah. at, our, at our local electronics store. So we bought a $120 projector, $120 sound bar, and we have a home cinema. Yeah. And so really, that's really all you need. I mean, yeah. obviously, I would love to get... Uh, you know, and who knows, you know, what will happen down the track. One day I might get a chance to make a, a bigger home cinema with more seating and, you know, a dedicated, a real dedicated room and stuff like that. But really for what we've got, it's completely perfect, you know, yeah. and, and we don't, I mean, it's amazing. You go from the very, very big screen is, which is what we have on the wall to the TV. And it's like, oh my God, how different is this? Um, but really in all honesty, we watch movies quite a lot and we watch TV shows quite a lot. And uh, we just watch it in the cinema. And yeah. it, it is just our little slice of heaven that we don't have to sit because the things are being released so quickly now that we don't have to sit there and go, okay, let's go to the movies. Unless there's something really outstanding that is coming out that we have to go and see it before or the spoilers. We're trying to avoid spoilers like Star Wars. Yeah. Outside of that, we're just happy doing our own little thing in our own cinema. Yeah, I think the final Star Wars movie was the last thing we saw. It was in the movie theater. So yeah, yeah. it's been it's been a while. Um, but it was like just the other night we were we were commenting, and uh, we were talking about I think it was the new Thor Love and Thunder movie that's coming out. Mm. And you were and you were like, oh well, we'll have to go see that in the theater or buy you know what the DVD or whatever. And I said, no, it's going to come on to Disney. Plus, you know, probably oh, that's like right because we were watching the the Doctor Strange. Well, the... no, and and that's the thing is 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 
and you're like, oh, no, no, it's not going to come that fast. And then I said, yeah, well, look how fast Dr. Strange came. And you were like, no, the new one's not out yet. And I'm like, we just watched it two nights ago. And you're yeah. like, no, that, that, that's the new universe of madness. And I'm like, yeah. 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 That's, <laughs> yeah. It, it comes out very quickly now. And we've already got pre-ordered um, Maverick. So, you know, we're waiting for that one to come out. Yeah. Looking for, I cannot wait to see that on the big But that screen. is not the one we are actually doing today. No, today we'll have we to are... Do a, we'll, ha we'll have to do a, a, a double feature, a back-to-back -back episode of Top Gun and Maverick. When that yeah. Out. When, when we do it, but we are going to be Okay. Okay. And, and sorry, I just have to take a moment and ladies, <sighs> beach oh, for... volleyball. Oh, for God's sakes. I mean, seriously. Okay, beach volleyball. I'm sorry, but that's the best scene in Top Gun. Well, apparently they've reprised it, so you get a second one now in Maverick. With 50-year-old time? Uh, no, 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 with, with new, with new with young new, guys. With new hot boys. Okay. Apparently so. So you can sit okay. there and dribble, dribble and drool. I'll get okay. your dribble played out. So we are going to be doing the 1988 American fantasy comedy film directed by Tim Burton, Beetlejuice. This one, and of course, that doesn't have the pretty boys in it. No, it doesn't. This one stars Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, Jeffrey Jones. We won't discuss him. Catherine O'Hare, Winona Ryder, and the incomparable Michael Keaton. In the, the movie was role. released. Sorry, in the title role. Yes, the movie was released on March the thirtieth, nineteen eighty-eight. The running time is ninety-two minutes. It was distributed by Warner Brothers. The budget was fifteen million. And it took $74.2 million at the box office alone. It must have been hugely more successful on home rentals when, uh, when it came out on the VHS. So the premise of this movie is really interesting. The plot involves around a recently deceased couple, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, who are ghosts haunting their former home. They contact Beetle, Juice, pronounced and occasionally spelled as well, actually, it's produced the, the way they, they it's written is Beetle B E T E L G E U S E, and they when they first see the, the pamphlet, the it's star. like yeah, they sit there and say, "Oh, it's Beetlegeist," but if you pr pronounce it, if you spend a lot of time trying to pronounce it, it comes up to Beetlejuice. Um, in the film, and it's portrayed by Michael Keaton, an obnoxious and devious bio exorcist from the netherworld to scare away the ho the houses. New inhabitants, Catherine O'Hare, Jeffrey Jones, we won't discuss him, and Winona Ryder. It was a critical and commercial success, grossing $74.2 from a box office of $15 million. It won the Academy Award for Best Makeup and three Saturn Awards, Best Horror Film, Best Makeup, and Best Supporting Actress for, Sydney, uh, for Sylvia Sidney. The film's success spawned an animated TV series, video games, and in 2018, a stage musical. A sequel is currently in the works with Keaton and Ryder reprising their roles. Supposed oh, to be dear. 20. No, it's actually, it, it doesn't. I mean, I haven't seen any previews. I've seen the actual artwork and it actually mm -hmm. looks pretty good. So, you know, we're just going to go with hey, that one. Did, did you know that, that Beetlejuice was the first DVD that was mailed out by Netflix in 1998? No, I didn't. When they started that's their mail really, order service. That's really cool. I, I remember I remember working at uh, Blockbuster and uh, they'd just gotten into the posting out of, of DVDs. And they're like, yeah, we're a little bit behind because Netflix has been doing this for about three years. And I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't yeah. realize, you know, I was living in America at the time. Um, this is also Michael's Keaton favorite film of all the ones he's made. I can see why. Yeah, I really totally. can. But did you know that the studio originally wanted to call the film House Ghosts? And as a joke, Tim Burton suggested the name Scared Sheetless. He was <laughs> absolutely horrified when the studio actually considered it. 
scared sheetless. That is yeah. really cool. It's actually pretty. It actually, yeah. That's very, very, that is very fun to, to think about that. Yeah. But look, before we get started on talking about this movie, I think we should go and listen to the trailer so we know what the hell we're going to be talking about. So in saying that, let's listen to the 1988 American fantasy comedy film, Beetlejuice. From the director of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Adam and Barbara are ghosts. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? Their house is being haunted by the living. Maybe the house could use a little remodeling. And they can't scare them into leaving. They're dead. It's a little late to be neurotic. So they're calling on Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Who's no ordinary ghost. Yeah! You don't want his help. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? Now, the party's over. You want somebody out of the house? I want to get somebody out of your house. <laughs> but the fun has just begun. It's showtime. Learn to throw your voice, pull your friends, fun and party. Not bad. This is amazing. Want a cigarette? Oh, no, thank you. Oh, yeah, here I come, baby. He's guaranteed to put some life... Attention, keyboard shoppers. ...in your afterlife. Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. Okay, so I always love that... Um, that, that uh, God, I always trip over my words the trailer to that movie because it's so much fun to listen to and you know you don't really get you get a, a sort of an idea of what's going to be happening but you know you have to really go and watch this movie so if you've not seen this movie you've got to stop the podcast now but you've got to come back and then go and watch this movie because this is yeah just because we will be giving spoilers a lot of spoilers definitely we're basically going to tell you the whole movie we are going <laughs> so if we you are haven't gonna... seen it you'll feel like you have by the end of this yeah, but you're definitely going to have to listen to the whole thing because, yeah, but if you've never seen this movie and it is well worth the movie. And I found out also, Michael Keaton is only in this movie for 14 and a half minutes I of know, the entire movie. Right. He is such a commanding performance that it feels like he's been in the movie all through, through the whole yeah. thing. But and 14 that, yeah. and a half minutes. He was even, a, even more mind-blowing is he ad-libbed 90% of his lines. That I wouldn't be surprised at. He's such a great genius with that. And with the fact that he only filmed for two weeks, can you imagine walking on set for two weeks, getting paid, you know, millions of dollars and having 14 and a half minutes? I mean, you know, we, we sit there and go, wow, you know, I could work for two minute, two weeks for, you know, that amount of money. But it's like, you know, you don't think that, a lot of those probably two weeks were like 15, 17 hour work days mm-hmm. trying to get shots done and try and with him having to go through all the makeup and stuff like that. So, you know, even though he's only on for 14 and a half minutes, he's a, got a commanding performance. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry, but I, I just, I just discovered something while okay. I was researching for this film and um, Catherine O'Hara, who played um, Winona Ryder's mother. Yes. Stepmother. In the film, the mother. Um, no stepmother she oh, that's right. stepmother, stepmother. yes yeah the stepmother she, delia huh delia. delia delia um met her future husband production designer Bo welch while making the film he was working on the film as well and according to welch tim burton said he should ask her out when they were near the end of filming 
And Bo says, it didn't even occur to me that I was even supposed to talk to the actors. But since Tim told me to, I did. And then we dated and we're married. And here we are today. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't that great? Yeah, that is good. She's also the mother in um, Home Alone. Oh, she is, isn't she? Yes, she is. And she was also um, in another movie with Michael Keaton, very, very briefly, called The Paper. And she was um, the friend of... um, Marissa Tomei that she meets in the city and she's basically drinking a whole bottle of wine for herself. <laughs> but that was only a very, very, very small part. I mean, it's yeah. basically a 10 minute little scene, but um, yeah, she, her biggest thing other than this was um, uh, oh, Kevin wow. McAllister's mother in home alone. Yeah. One and two. Um, did you know that Glenn Shaddix who played Otho died in September, 2010? No, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so upsetting. Glenn Shaddix. Um, but, but get this, the last, oh, this is going to make me cry. The last song performed at his memorial service was Deo, the banana boat song. Oh my goodness. That's beautiful. Yeah. Which I could never understand. This is an interesting thing. You know, was Otho part of the family or was he just her interior designer? He was, because um, for oh, him okay. to basically, you know, horn okay. in on the family. Do you remember, um, Oh, shoot. I can't think of his name, but the wedding designer in Sex in the City. Very briefly. Oh, the guy with the glasses. No, not, no, no, not him. Um, the, the other, the one with the dark hair that he and um, the one with the glasses hated each other. Yes. I remember him. Yeah. But he was like Charlotte's best, bestie gay. Yeah. That's basically Otho's role. So Otho moves up from the city to just be with Delia to yeah. make sure that her transition to the country life in this house is is running smoothly. So he he basically invites himself in and yeah. lives with them. That's yeah. really creepy. Um, but what's interesting too is is um, the visual effects budget was only a million dollars. A major factor in Tim Burton deciding to make the effects look as tacky and B movie as possible. Yep, that works. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this, a lot of the parts of this movie is, is very, very Tim Burton. You see him, you see him obviously in Edward Scissorhands very prominently. So really any movie that that Tim Burton does, even down to bat to Batman, um, you know, you can really see that he's got his own style with regards to a movie. You know, so he really Um, does make it that way. But you know, you know, the, the musician's assistant that was cut in half in the waiting room. Yeah. The, the, the girl. Yeah, did you know that was his his girlfriend in real life? No way. Yeah, that was Tim Burton's girlfriend. That was his girlfriend at the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know there are there are certainly some uh, pros and cons to to being with somebody. You know, I mean, I just you know it's like hey, stick you in the movie. I mean, okay, this is a an, a completely different side note, but um, do you remember? Obviously, we all remember the John Hughes film, The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Right. We so do that one too. Yeah, we have to watch that one. It's absolutely amazing. I've seen that in years. Um, do, you, do you remember the scene where they're all being dropped off at high school and Anthony Michael Hall is dropped off by his mother and his sister is in the back seat and she's like, you know, use, use this time to your advantage. And he's like, mum, we, we can't do it. We've just got to sit there and study. And she goes, you better figure out a way to study. That is Anthony Michael Hall's real mother and sister. No way. Yep. Yep. He was, uh, they just, um, uh, John Hughes decided to put him, put them in the movie. Oh, okay. Well, so when you see yeah, them be well, dropped. Real, real mothers showing up on set does happen with kids. 
Um, you were telling me a trivia about that with um, Poltergeist. No, not no, Poltergeist. Uh, no, no, with Close, Close Encounters. Of the Third Kind. So when we do Close Encounters, we'll definitely include that little little, little nugget. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was, was really cool. But I found that really interesting that they that John Hughes decided to cast his real mother and sister in the role just to drop him off at school, just yeah. to say that. And so when he does say, you know, when she really gets angry at him, you know, it's like you're being tied off by your mother. You're being yeah. dropped off at detention. He was being told off by his mother. By his real mother. <laughs> okay, but that's not related to this movie. So. That is certainly not. So let's get into the movie. Let's get into the plot of this movie. So in Winter River, Connecticut, Barbara and Adam Maitland decide to spend their vacation decorating the idyllic country home. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's a, it's a house on top of the hill. We basically see the camera panning through the town and we find out that by the time we get to the um, little uh, the mod well what we think is the actual house um, that the Maitlands live in we find it's actually a model and Adam which is um, oh God, Alec, what is Baldwin. It? Alec Baldwin's character um, he very is young. very young Alec, Alec Baldwin, Baldwin. B- before he went whoopee um, oh. he has done an entire he has He's no. an entire model of the entire um, town. And you see the spider crawling over the top of his, of his model. And he says to Barbara, because and I, my, the, the music, I'm sorry, I Calypso music, I could not work to Calypso music. Yeah. It's annoying. No. I'm sorry, if people like Calypso music, that's fine. But this one is just okay, annoying. I love Calypso music, but it has a time and place. Uh, yeah. On, I, on I, a... I couldn't listen to it like ad nauseum all the time. No, not like Adam does. Adam's got no. it in, in you know, because they're basically getting, they're doing the two weeks at home with their Yeah, vacation. well, I was going to say, I think what it was is they were planning on, I don't know if it was their honeymoon. No. no or just, just a, a vacation. It was just two weeks off. And they had talked about going to the islands, but then decided to stay home and work on their farmhouse. Yeah, they were thinking about going to Jamaica or going to Paris, whatever. And they're like, no, well, let's just stay home. Which, you know what? In all honesty, we love our home. Yeah. Um, and if we, if you gave us two weeks off, we'd stay at, our, at home here because yeah. we love being home. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Barbara goes down to do the dishes and Adam is working um, in the basement. Basically says to Barbara, look, can you come um, into town so we can just go and I just need some stuff for the, for the model. Need some paints and things to yeah. work on his model. We see him pull up to a convenient or uh, to a hardware store saying Maitland uh, hardware. We didn't realize it because he walks into the door, in, you know, unlocks the door, walks in and helps himself to the register. And we we realize now that, oh, he owns the store. So that's fine. Oh, I don't, I never, I totally missed that. Yeah. On the Maitland I thought it was odd that there was nobody there. Yeah. No, Maitland hardware is the one they own. That's they right. Own the, the Maitlands, store. duh. Yeah. But one of the things that I find is... Yeah, I always thought he was like a college professor or something. Yeah, no, he's a hardware owner. Hardware store owner. The most evil person in this entire movie... Is the dog. Nope. (laughs) Nope. The most evil person in this entire movie is uh, Annie McEnroe's character as Jane Butterfield. And why do I say... Yeah, and why do I say that she's evil? Oh, this, I'm sorry, but this bitch, she shows up unannounced at their house and says to them, oh, you should really sell this house. It's just the two of you. It's too big. It should really be with a, for somebody with a family. You do, you don't deserve this house. Yeah. Like, you better just stay the house. Yeah, I'm sorry to say, but piss off Jane. Thank you. 
like you know and of course you know and barbara's saying jane do not send because she's like you know i've got someone in in new york they've uh, it's basically they've just seen pictures of the house they want to buy it for cash they want to move up here they've got a family you don't have a family so you don't deserve the house it's like piss off jane and they're, as Bar- not, they, they're not even listed with her yeah and as barbara says stop sending people pictures of my of our home so it's like you know she's trying to get this wonderful commission on a house but she doesn't give a shit about Barbara or Adam. She just wants to get the, the commission on the house. And when she says, you know, oh, you know, we were family, that's the same way as me being a friend of somebody's and we've been friends for, say, 20 years and someone and they pass away and someone says, oh, were you, were you family? Oh, we were pretty close to being family because I've known them for 20 years. So, yeah, we're family. Jane's not family. Jane is just a goddamn real estate agent who happens to be their friend in the town. Then, you know, she's not they, even she, a friend, not even a friend. But so, you know, you see that she goes down because Adam's working in the basement and he goes to open up the, the blind and there's Jane, you know, pressing her face against the window saying, oh, I just left Barbara some contact details of someone who wants to buy the house. And Adam's like, no, Jane, and pulls the shutters down. It's like, piss off, Jane. So yeah. if anyone says who the most evil person in this entire movie is, it's not Beetlejuice. Jane, it is not Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice is not evil. He's just Barbara annoying. and Adam is not evil. Even the people that even the even the um the Dietzes that move into the house are not evil. The most evil person in this movie is Jane, and I will yeah. say that hundred percent. I will stand by that. So on so they go down to the hardware store. They get what they need. They're driving back home, you know, from the trip to the town. And there's a little dog. We see the little dog beforehand. Um, walks across one of the roads. It's a country town, so there's no traffic lights. And on the way home, Barbara swerves to avoid a dog. Funny enough, on the bumper bar of her car, it says, I swerve for dogs, which is very interesting. So, yeah, so we've got the thing in the little back of the car of the station wagon saying, I break for dogs, which is good because on the way back, Barbara swerves to avoid a dog as he's walking across. Now, the- now there was foreshadowing because the dog ran in front of the car just as they were pulling up to the hardware store. Yeah, I know. So he was basically so there yeah. was foreshadowing there. I don't know who who owns this goddamn dog. But now as the as she swears to avoid the dog, she hits the side of the um of the bridge and a little bit of the car goes, you know, outside of the bridge. Now, I'm sorry, the car was only going maybe 15 miles an hour. No, Not even that. Like maybe maybe between 25 and 30 miles an hour. Really? Yeah. At the time they they okay so even if yeah because they would have slowed down to go through the through the covered bridge because it's a one lane through the bridge okay so so if they're going that yeah so yeah so they probably between fifteen and twenty five fifteen and twenty miles an hour right so they they smash she so she smashes into the side of the bridge right and they notice that the dog is standing on um, a board. And of course, as they're looking to say, don't get off the board, the board gets off, the, the dog, dog gets, gets off, the, off board, the board and the car goes over upside, upside down and it hits the river. Now, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you really think that they were killed? No. Be- well, I mean, there could have been some fluke freak thing, but the, the first problem is, is as fast as they were going, they would not have even, unless that bridge was really poorly constructed, they would not have even gone through the side of it. They would have crunched no. up their front bent bumper and that would have been the end of it. Yeah. Um, plus the bridge is only like maybe eight feet off the water. Yep. So for them to have then plunged in, okay, well, A, the windows were wide open. Yep. 
B, they weren't going that fast. And the velocity with which they would have dropped from the bridge into the water was they would it would have just had enough time to start getting moving by the and it would have actually hit and with the windows wide open they would have been able to swim out of it yeah there was there was not enough of an impact force for them to have been knocked unconscious yeah and drowned that's what i always find very interesting is that i don't there's just it just does this part doesn't make sense but we have to suspend disbelief and say they actually did right. die which yep. they did um now which- now that being said um, when we, when we, a little bit later in the film, when we get to the waiting room for the dead people, um, everyone in the waiting room and office are in the same condition that they died. And it shows the way that they died very clearly. Yeah. The Maitlands, however, who drowned are not wet because Tim Burton felt keeping the actors wet all the time would be too uncomfortable. I think that's a, that's a good idea. I think that was a good call. It was a very good call because who wants to be wet for the entire shoot? And even if the, the shoot lasted, say, six months, who wants to go to work every day and get done? And also it's the soaked. fact is that you always have to keep them wet. You'd always have to have buckets of water on standby to, yeah. to, to completely douse them. I'm sorry. I would want to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. No. no. So after returning home, uh, Barbara and Adam notice that they they now lack reflections. The first thing they find when they get there is, you know, they they get the, uh, they get back home, and um, Barbara and Adam walk into the into the um, front um, foyer, and the fire's burning. And, and of course, Barbara's like, "Well, I didn't leave that on before we left." And they go to warm themselves up, and suddenly one of the bits of fire, le- you know, basically leaps onto. Uh, Barbara's hand and she basically blows it out and she and he goes did you know she puts her hands a little too close and her fingertips catch on fire yeah catch on fire and of course Adam also says do you remember how we got home and she's like no I don't remember how we got home and Adam says listen I'm just going to go back down to the to the um you know back down to the bridge and retrace our steps he goes to get off the off the the um, front Porch. porch and he just disappears and he sees this giant thing. It's like a desert-like Can't landscape me. populated by giant sandworms. Uh, at, at that moment, he calls out for Barbara's name, who then she pulls him back and says, you've been gone for like two hours. hours. Like, you know, where did you go? And he says, I didn't go anywhere. I just just got off the front porch. And she says, you know, um, there's a couple of things I want to show you. There's this. And she goes to the reflection of the of the mirror. And picks up a little horse statue, and of course the horse moves, but there's no, there's no, um, you know, you can't see them. And they find a handbook for the recently deceased. Now, when she's doing the thing with the horse in front of the mirror, the horse yeah. toy, if you look closely in the uh, window behind them, his shirt is being reflected. Okay, so I yeah, so that wouldn't be, it wouldn't, yeah, that wouldn't work. It was a lighting issue. So they suspect they begin to suspect that the the car accident that happened they didn't survive. Um, so we come now to the house being sold to the new owners, the Dietz family, who arrived from New York City. Now this is why I hate Jane. Yeah, <laughs> I hate Jane because this is all Jane ever wanted. She yeah, just she, want- yeah, she's so opportunistic about this. I mean, this is like literally days after they died yeah because she'd said that she'd sent the pictures to these people they saw it just in a picture they want to buy the house for cash 
And for Jane's whole thing, it's like, oh, now, as I was just saying to you just a minute ago, you know, the Maitlands have got the hardware store and the house. So Jane is in the money because Jane not only has to offload the house, which obviously is very, very easy because the Deets want the house, but she's got to offload the hardware store and all the inventory. She is in the money. Yeah. This is this is Jane's lottery win, basically. This is why I hate this woman. So um, Charles Dietz is a former real estate a, a real estate developer. His second wife Delia is a self proclaimed <laughs> a self proclaimed sculptor. The, these sculptures are disgusting. Now I understand. I understand that art is in the eyes of the beholder. You know, there is people that give paintbrushes to elephants and they paint four colors on a canvas and they sell it for a million dollars. I've seen it, elephants that make better art than she does. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Honestly, I've seen two-year-olds make better art than she does. I've seen monkeys throw feces against a wall and make better art than she does. But in all oh, honesty... Oh, all right, now that was crude. No, well, that's fine. That's what I have to say. This is why they love me. Um, but unfortunately, this is re- it really... Day, not me. You love it too. It's in the eyes of the beholder, you know. And so Delia's whole idea of like, she is a sculptor, which she's really not. And his, and his teenage, teenage goth daughter, Lydia, from his first marriage, is an aspiring photographer. I didn't get that feeling that she was an aspiring photographer. When she's using a Polaroid, not so much. No, I mean, when she first gets there, she's got a a camera around her neck, but she never portrays herself as being a um, a photographer. No, but I think I think they they gave her that just so that they could do the line where he's like, "Okay, well, honey, once we get settled in, we'll build you a dark room in the basement. My whole life is a dark room. One big dark. Room. now okay so when he says and that they're like okay well at least somebody's life and then he's <laughs> like well, at least somebody's life isn't going to be upheaved hasn't been <laughs> hasn't been turned upside down but the thing is that when he says we'll build you a dark room did you take that as um to develop camera like photographs mm-hmm. or because she's gothic she wants everything black because if you see her bedroom no, the dark room so that she could develop her photos because she was I, her pictures i always thought that that was like because her bedroom was all black and you know very very no, depressing her father's not that not literal like that because she's no she's no no it was a dark room meaning for photographic development oh okay i've always taken it the other way no. um no because he's not on that wavelength oh okay so he's you know normal joe so i love the love um charles's um because you know because when you're basically seeing this whole thing from barbara and adam's point of view Barbara and Adam have come back to the house after, you know, they, they, I think, do they, they, have they gone to see, they have, they have to go and see their caseworker now yeah. because they get the handbook and they, they, first of all, something drops out of the handbook and it says buyer exorcist beetle guys. And he's reading it and he just doesn't understand, you know, what's going on. The next scene we see Barbara and Adam are in their bedroom. This is before the Dietz has arrived. And she's and Barbara says, look, can you give me the basics about this? And he goes, well, the, this book reads like stereo instructions and tells him, it tells her about the manifestation between, you know, uh, here and there. And he, she's like, what about heaven and hell? And he's like, it doesn't say anything about heaven and hell at all. You know, it says nothing like that. And so as he's reading it, he sees that, you know, there is, you know, you can draw a door. Um, and knock three times so they do that and we find out that they're going into the netherworld to go and see their caseworker their caseworker i can't remember her name 
what is her caseworker? Oh, their caseworker. Um, caseworker Juno is Juno. Juno. And the caseworker um, is going to be basically be telling them about what's going on and what they have to do, um, basically to, to survive what, what they're going to be going through. Um, and of course, it really comes down to the fact that they don't want to be living with the Dietzes. So they decide they want to start trying to um, yeah, basically haunt them. Yeah, to get yeah them and out. one of the first things that they did was um you were telling were me about this one study and and this is the thing is charles loves the house as it is because i love i love when when charles sits down because you know as they're moving in charles grabs a rocking chair and puts it right basically in the hallway and sits down and goes 10 minutes 10 minutes and i'm already perfectly relaxed <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but of course Delia and Otho. Now this is that yeah we got to see we got to introduce Otho. Otho doesn't come through the front door; he, he comes through the, through window. the window. I don't he, know he why. Down all the curtains and everything else. And... Yeah, and and of course Charles does say, uh, Otho, there is a door," and he goes, "Well, yes, but that's that's for um, you know, re- that's almost like you know that's just for everyday purposes. I have to that's come for through everyday people." Yeah, everyday people. I have to come through the window. For, you know. Yeah. And Delia runs to him as if it's the second coming of God. Yeah. I, I don't, and I don't understand how, because Otho's moved up from New York to come up to Connecticut to be with these people to try and help her adjust into the the, the life that she's going to be and leading. I, and, and I get the feeling that he's also like her agent for her artwork. Yes. That's, I was thinking that too. Because I love but, one hey, of. Did you know that this movie was actually inspired by Poltergeist? No, I didn't. Yeah, it actually came after Poltergeist was a hit, but they decided to go with the idea of bad. But the idea of bad ghost was flipped so that the people who move into the house are the awful ones. Oh, right. I got you. Well, that actually makes sense. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Because in because we're watching the whole movie from Barbara and Adam's point of view about, well, we've got these horrible people. We want to try and get them out. So this is why they go to. Um, I can see you doing that if you you know, someday very long from now when you died that you come and you stay here because you want to make sure that only nice people live in our house. No, oh, absolutely. This is what I'm doing. Because we've is, put so much love into this house. This is my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what do we touch that kiss room? Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> the kiss room is sacred. Um, <laughs> so basically it ends up being that we're going to, you know, um, Juno says, look, you know, to get the Dietzes out of your house, you have to do it yourself. And, and he goes, well, and Adam says to her, what about that beetle? And she's like, no, 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 don't say his name. Don't even think it. You want to get him out? You have to get him out yourself. So they go back to the house and they now, they've got to try and figure out how to get them out of the house. Okay. So this, so, so this is another kind of continuity error, right? Okay. Um, so one of the first things that they do is they're in the study and he and and uh alec baldwin is laying there and and gina davis is holding his head with an, a, a butcher knife making it look like she cut his head off right was this before they saw the the um before um otho and delia go into the closet and you see that gina davis has hung herself i think gina... uh, it's, it's right in that time somewhere yeah in there. yeah so anyway um but Otho and Delia walk in, and I think Charles walked in, and nobody saw them. But we have already established that they can move objects, like what she did with the toy horse. Yep. The knife is a physical object in, that's currently in that realm. So shouldn't they have walked in and seen the knife floating, if nothing else? Yes, they should have. 
they should have because Charles jumps in in the doorway and goes, I know what you guys are doing. Leave this room by itself. I don't want you to touch this room at all. This is my room. And because all honesty, you know, like he is so exhausted with being this real estate developer that he just basically wants some peace and quiet. That's why he's moved everyone up to Winter River, Connecticut. He doesn't want to be in New York. He doesn't want to have the dramas of what's been going on um, with his everyday life. He's also fed up with his wife trying to change everything. And he just wants something normal. He just wants something for himself. So just yeah. leave this room. You can you can destroy the house. He said you can knock down walls. You can paint, decorate, whatever you want to do to make yourself. And I, I love the fact where she goes, you know, if uh, you don't let me express myself, I will take you to the realms of hell. Um, basically just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take you to the realms of, of hell with this situation because you've made me move up here to Connecticut where this is not where I want to be. I want to be in New York where all the people are. Um, you know, and you will basically just you'll rue the day if you don't let me express myself. So he's like, okay, you can express yourself, but just leave this room by itself. And, well, and, 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 and I loved it when he's, he's like, you know, you can redecorate whatever. And Dilly's like, a little gasoline, blowtorch, no problem. No, oh, yeah, they've got some really bad ideas. So under the guidance of interior designer Otho, which I love him saying that he is not only, he's not only schooled in pharma, uh, what does he say? He, he was, he did, uh, he's able to understand chemistry. He's also an interior designer and he's also fluent in um, the paranormal. Yeah. <laughs> it, the, they basically transformed the family house into a pastel-toned, work of modern art yeah i'm sorry dark blue in anything is disgusting but dark blue in the kitchen just makes you want to slit your wrists i mean it's just they their whole idea of post the, the modern art is just vile it really is so the consulting the handbook the maitlands travel to an other an out other worldly waiting room perpetuated by other distressed souls where they discover the afterlife is structured according to the complex bureaucracy involving vouchers and caseworkers. The, ca- uh, the, mate, the Maitland's caseworker, Juno, informed them they must remain in the house for the next 100 years, <laughs> or sorry, 125 years, on pain of a dire fate. And it's like, okay, and if they want the deeds out of the house, they have to scare them away. So what, what's interesting is that when Adam and Barbara enter Juno's office, they see her speaking to a recently deceased football team and a movie theater full of ghosts can be seen through Juno's office window. When the film was released in theaters, the scene created the illusion that the living and dead audiences could see each other. And uh, yeah. Yeah. See, I never saw this at the, at the, at the, the cinema. I saw this. I totally missed this. Among the ghosts in the audience are a red skeleton and a green skeleton, identical to the one seen in Tim Burton's later movie, Mars Attacks, a woman with red hair, and two men in suits and Ray-Ban style sunglasses, aka the Blues Brothers. Oh my God. I totally missed that. Oh, we have to go back and re-watch this, just just that scene. Yeah, (laughs) but but, um, my, my personal favorite one. Um, the, with the football players, coach, where's the men's room? Juno, I'm not your coach. He survived. Wait, coach, let me get something straight. What's our curfew around here? And it's like, oh, that's think, the deleted scene. Survived the crash. Okay, that's the deleted scene. We never got to hear that in the regular oh, movie. That's because, right. Yeah. Yeah, because when when he comes in, because once the the Dietzes have gone, sorry, once the Maitlands have gone out of the office, you see the the football uh, team come in and goes, "Hey, coach, 
um, I don't think we we survived that crash. And she goes, what gave you that that idea? Yeah. So basically that little bit of what he just said was was deleted out of the scene. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we didn't get to see that one. So although Adam and Barbara remain invisible to Charles and Delia, Lydia can see the ghost couple and befriend them, which yeah. I find interesting because, you know, she's sitting out the front of the house and uh, the horrible person, Jane, comes up and says, listen, can you give this key to your father? It is a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a master key. It can open every key, every door in the house. And he, she says to her, you know, what happened to the family that used to live here? And she goes, oh, they died. And, you know, yes, we, we were family, which, as I said, if you're friends with anyone for a long period of time, you can almost assume that you are family, although you're not directly related. So it's at this moment that, that uh, Lydia looks up to the third floor, um, which is basically the attic, and sees two people looking out the window. And so I was like, oh, and of course, this is when Barbara says to Adam, that little girl, she saw us. And of course, Adam's like, no one can see us. And she goes, yeah, but she did. So now it's basically now, you know, Lydia has now got the master key, goes up to the attic, tries to unlock the attic door, and the the, the key is then pushed out from the, the, the lock. So it's like something is up there. So then it, we then flash to the next scene where they decide that here's an idea to get them out of the house. We are going to... <laughs> We are going to get bed sheets, cut holes in them, and go around basically in bed sheets, trying to scare them. Now, the first thing that we hear is, um, you know, we're hearing the ooh, and Charles opens the door and says to thinks that it's Lydia and says, "Honey, you know, Daddy is trying to get someone up here. I'm trying to do some work, so just just go and play." And shuts the door, and then he opens the door again. And you see the the, the um, bed sheet like turn back around to look at him, and he goes, "Your mother's going to be upset with you cutting holes in, your, in her six hundred dollars sheets or three hundred dollars sheets." Yeah. And then you can you, then you keep hearing them go, "Ooh, situation." And this is when Lydia basically is laying in her bed and goes, "Oh, I cannot stand. I can't understand how he can actually stand that woman because we, we're thinking that, that she's thinking they're doing some sort of strange, <laughs> strange sex going on." And of course, this is when Barbara basically, you know, is is looking and takes the sheet off and goes to Adam. I cannot believe we've been reduced to this. You know, well, this is not scary. We're not scary at all. And then goes into Delia's room, which Delia is knocked out with basically Xanax and basically, you know, um, half asleep. And she then sits upright with and all the, the TVs on, and she just thinks and she the TV. Yeah, so she, so she turns the TV off. off. As she as they as Barbara and Adam come out of Delia's room, you see flash bulbs going off, and it happens to be Lydia taking photographs of these two saying if you want to do some weird sex acts can you please do it in your own room and now how many photographs did she snap off with with an 12 with an instamatic camera and it was with a polaroid polaroid instant development camera and so yeah there were some problems with that in that it takes a couple you know it takes at least 30 to 45 seconds for the pictures to develop um once once they're out of the camera each um case for the with the the film holds only 10 images uh, 10 picture things and the flash bulbs was only 10 the flash bulbs are only like four per bulb and so she took about 12 photographs right boom 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 yeah and it's just not possible with that kind of camera and then she picks up one of the one of the photographs which is developed instantaneously and sees that there are no feet and she goes no feet and basically she says you know and of course yeah, you know, she's very in tune with the uh, the dark side of life, 
And she goes, what do you, do you, what do you look like under there? Are you gross under there? Are you knight of the living dead under there? And of course, this is when Barbara takes off the the um, the, the uh, sheet and goes, you know, when I was a kid your age, I'd be terrified if I saw ghosts. And he, she goes, well, I'm not. And he goes, and this is when Adam goes, you can see us. And she goes, yes, of course I can see you. And what? And she goes, and they go, why can you see us? And your parents can't. And she says, because I myself um, are able to see strange and unusual things because I myself are strange and unusual you know and basically just says to him about this about them the fact that you know i can see all this stuff they they can't because they're not in tune with what i can see you know and it basically it really comes down to that that she's a little bit more open well with i the, think i think part of it too is the fact that she is suicidal yes yes she is unfortunately yeah. um okay so minor minor break for a trivia moment yes um Apparently, I don't know if you noticed this, but Delia has a knack for repurposing clothing to wear in different ways. In Okay, so do you remember in the beginning, Charles was wearing a red sweater? Yes. Delia is wearing the same red sweater that Charles wore, except his pants. She puts the sweater upside down with her legs in the armholes and held up around her waist with suspenders. Really? Yeah. And then during the first dinner, she's seen with an elaborate decorative black hairband wrapped around her head that nearly resembles feathers. Remember the feathers? Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. The headband is actually a pair of intertwined women's gloves. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sakes. Okay. So they they basically have to go back to, they actually call... um, their caseworker Juno back and says, you know, we need to get these people out of the house and we need to, and what about this this beetle someone? And they and Juno says, no, 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 don't call him. He was a former assistant and he's now a freelance bioexorcist. And basically says, if you need to get get them out, you need to get them out yourself. Um unfortunately they don't know how to produce the name they pronounce the name. They just say beetle geist. This was a little bit of a faux pas because you would have to spend a lot of time, a lot of time trying to pronounce the way they say it because it's basically like he says Beetlegeist. In the next scene, she says, and Barbara says, "Oh, you mean Beetlejuice?" So she's able to just do it instantaneously, yeah. you know. So hey, of course, yeah. Did you know that Michael Keaton based his performance of Beetlejuice on Chop Top from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre too? It's been such a long time since I've seen number two. I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember him, but but they I, actually worked so, together later in two thousand two on the HBO movie Life from Baghdad. Oh, really? Yeah, fourteen years, fourteen and a half years later. Oh, okay. Yeah, but he actually based his performance on Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Oh God, okay, that's a very interesting one. Yeah, I thought you might like that one. So the Maitlands go back to the the after well the Netherworld to actually speak to Juno again, and then they go back to the house where they find that the house has been completely changed and remade like it is disgusting and so this is when they decide that they need to they go back up into the attic because the attic is still you know um basically roped oh off. my god Alyssa milano was seriously considered for winona Ryder's role uh, yeah no i mean she that... would have been fine but she wouldn't have been as good as winona in this particular one yeah no no so they go back up into the up into the attic, and of course the the model of the town is still there. And of course we suddenly start to seeing see a 
flashing light that's going on. And we find that someone has moved into the model cemetery, which happens to be Beetlejuice. And uh, so... So basically, we see that he's moved into the, the, the cemetery. And so Barbara has this great idea that she just pronounces his name, Beetlejuice. And they basically are then transported very miniature into the, um, into the, the cemetery. And there's a big sign that says Beetlejuice lies here. And so they're like, okay, so how do we get this guy out of the, um, out of the ground? And two shovels then fall. And it's like, oh, I guess we need to dig. And they dig for quite some time until they hit the the um, the casket of Beetlejuice. Of course, at that stage, at that stage, the uh, the casket starts to rumble, and Beetlejuice pops up, and he's now you know basically here. Um, he quickly offends the Maitlands with his crude and morbid demeanor, and they reconsider hiring him, although it's too late to stop him from wrecking havoc because he's sitting there, and and of course, he's, he's going through his monologue of what's going on and they say to him okay so what are your qualifications and he goes well i tra i've traveled extensively i studied at juilliard um i've seen the exorcist 187 times and it gets funnier every single I time i see it, it. <laughs> he said i live with i've lived through the black plague and i had a pretty, pretty good time doing that and so they go well okay well can can you be scary and, and he, not to mention the fact you're talking to a dead guy. Yeah. And he, they go, so can you be scary? And he goes, okay, what about this? And you only see the, the shot from behind him. So you can't see what his face looks like. And these things protrude out of his face. And of course, Adam and Barbara basically scream and he goes, what do you think? Have I got the job? So it's like, oh, okay. And then of course, you know, Beetlejuice is trying to in, you know, entice them into the ground because he wants to serve them some, some beverages. And this is when Barbara says, home, home, home. And they then are zapped back to, the, back to the house. Now, it's interesting that this is a movie that doesn't have any swear words except for one small little swear word they actually throw in. Because when Beetlejuice, you know, turns around and the Maitlands have gone, he kicks one of the trees, which is a little tiny little model tree model over. Tree. And he says, what does he say? Oh, he says, yeah, nice fucking model. And he yeah. grabs his crotch and, and squeezes it twice. And it's like that movie, because it was, this movie was released by, um, it was a lot of the executives had a very hard time in thinking that this might be a, not a good idea to swear because they were thinking this was going to be promoted very heavily with Disney. Yeah. And Disney does not like swear words. Well, Disney did eventually buy the film. They did. And they <clears> cut <throat> that scene. They did cut that scene no, because that Disney does not like the no. does not like swear words. Um, but this was the only swear word that actually used in the whole movie. Which you know, I mean, it, it he could have actually said something completely different. Um, I mean, it was it was released by another film company, obviously. So I mean, he was able to swear. What I mean, being yeah. Warner but, but Brothers, go, it's but going fine. Back to that point, just before yeah. um, they they. Okay, so the scene where Beetlejuice eats the fly yes. is a tribute to the horror film The Fly from 1958. Yeah, Gina I knew that Davis one. starred in the remake in 1986. Yes, she did. Michael Goblin himself was actually offered the lead role in The Fly in 1986, but turned it down. Really? Yep. And then when Beetlejuice um, pulls the fly underground, you can hear the fly scream, the famous line from that film. Help me, help me. 
I mean, I I always say that um, Jeff Goldblum was absolutely amazing was in the flight. In the, but then again, Jeff Goldblum is pretty much perfect in anything. He really is. He's he's one of my favorites. Yeah, I love Jeff he's Goldblum. an amazing actor. Um, so I think that yeah, in that regard, yeah, I can understand. Well, did you know that that um, Michael Keaton only signed on to this after he saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure? <laughs> no. Yeah, there was oh, actually. God. I mean, because he originally he refused the role because he just didn't get it. But he came around after meeting Tim Burton and seeing Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And um, but yeah, that, that's the thing is a lot of the actors really didn't want to sign on. It took a lot of time to convince the cast members to sign on to the movies. They thought the script was just too weird. Yeah, well, Tim Burton's got a very a interesting. Yeah, but he, this was this is this was basically like his big breakout film. Yeah. And then then after this was Edward Scissorhands yeah. with Johnny Depp. And, and went on a writer. And went on to write her again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, G Gina Davis was the only cast member who would commit to the project at first. Michael Keaton, Winona Ryder, Catherine O'Hara, and Sylvia Sidney all said no at least once. Producer David Geffen convinced Michael Keaton's manager to convince Keaton to meet with Burton. Once Keaton said yes, Burton personally called Sylvia Sidney and begged her to do the movie and flew out to meet with O'Hara to convince her. And I like the fact that in years, years to come, Michael Keaton would work with Tim Burton in the very first Batman. Yeah. Which, which is, I still think was much better than people real than people give it credit. Yeah. To. I, I mean, it's a, I mean, it's everybody a, was like, Mr. Mom is Batman. Seriously. No, nah, he, nah, he nailed it. I mean, he, he really, really did. He, he really did. We I should was, watch that again. I haven't seen that. I've, in, well, I don't know. <clears throat> years. We don't have that one. <laughs> that, years. <laughs> So well, let's put it this way: the last time I saw Michael Keaton as Batman, I think it might have been in the theaters. Oh my god! That's, but that's that's, that's, that's terrifying. Yeah, that's dating myself. But then again, I got a birthday coming up. So the small towns we won't go into that. So the small towns charm and the supernatural events inspired Charles to pitch his boss Maxine Dean on transforming the town into a tourist hotspot. But Maxie Maxie M A X I E wants proof of the ghosts using the handbook for the recently deceased. Otho conducts what he thinks is a seance and summons Adam and Barbara using their wedding clothes, but they begin to fade and decay as Otho has unwittingly performed what he, what is actually an exorcism instead. So he really, he's got, you know, he, they've, they've invited the, the family over all these, the boss over. And uh, I find it interesting that, you know, what, when they're doing this, this seance and he's, he really thinks that he knows what he's doing and uh, the, the wedding clothes are laid in front of them on the dining room table. And of course you start to see that, you no, know, no, no. We, we, we have, we haven't done the dinner scene before that. You can do the dinner scene if you want to. Yeah. Because okay. I have trivia. Okay. Then let's do the, 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 the dinner scene. Yeah. It, it features Dick Cavett in a rare acting oh, yes. role. That's right. We do. He's, he's Maxie Dean. Is yeah. He? Yes, he is. Yeah. And um, Tim Burton tried to film the scene where the shrimp jump off the plates and attack the dinner party by positioning stagehands beneath the table and throwing them. But and that just really wasn't working. So Dick Cavett suggested placing the shrimp on their faces and then filming them as they fell off then running the film in reverse, which is what they did. Uh-huh. So basically you see them, the, the shrimp come out of the bowl, grab their faces and push them away. Yeah. And then go back into the bowl. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was a really weird scene. That yeah, was a, really, that was weird a scene. really weird scene. This is where we get that song. Deo, Deo, Daylight come and, and we want to go home. Oh, God. Yeah. I swear to God. I would After I watched that movie for about six weeks, all that's all I could friggin' hear. It yeah, was like yeah, a continuous right? earworm. 
And if I and if we've given earworms to people listening, we're sorry. No, if we've done our job here is complete. <laughs> oh, we don't want to do. We don't want to give you guys the the horrid earworm that that is it. So, I love that song though. So after they've had the the very interesting dance number um, in the the uh, dinner. I mean, Harry parties. Belafonte is just amazing. Yeah. Well. Um, so after we've seen them in the in the dinner scene, we decided then we're going to do this exorcism. Sorry, this this um, seance, which ends up to be an exorcism. And Bar- Alley was the first choice for the role of Barbara, but Cheers wouldn't let her out to take the role. Sigourney Weaver, Linda Blair, Goldie Hawn, Laura Dern, and Linda Hamilton were also considered for the role of Barbara. I think Goldie would have been awesome. Goldie would have been awesome. See, this is why our is, podcast is, is, is she, lasts so she long. She would have been. I think. I think the second choice to Gina Davis for me would have been Laura Dern. No, 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 because the others just can't bring that wholesome innocence to it. Goldie could. No. Have you seen Goldie and Private Benjamin? Okay, the reason why is because um, Barbara is not ditzy. Goldie is, I mean, she's not always ditzy. No, but she really just can't pull it off without it seeming airheady. Uh, don't get, don't get me wrong. And Goldie Hawn, God help us if you ever actually listen to this. I am a huge mega fan of Goldie Hawn. I, Goldie I is love amazing. Her. I love almost everything she does. Yeah, but um, she just wouldn't be able to pull it off. Not, mm. not, not the wholesome, sweet um, thing. It's, it's. She just. She just, it just wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have rang true. Mm, I'd give her the Pepsi challenge. I reckon she'd be no, able to I think Laura off. Dern would have been, mm. because uh, it, the character is much closer to Laura Dern's character in Jurassic Park. I didn't, I didn't like her character in Jurassic Park. She was annoying. But it's still the same type of character. Yeah. I, I still think Gordy would have definitely been able to do it. Linda Hamilton is just too badass. Yeah. But yeah. Same that, with Sigourney Weaver. Yes. Kirstie Alley is too sarcastic. Yep. Wouldn't have liked She's her. She's too New York. Yep. Or Boston. Boston. Is the choice maybe. Yeah, Boston. Hey, shut up. Um, hey, I lived in Boston. I you did that. not live in Boston. You lived in Western Mass. Well, same situation. Two hours away from Boston. It's in Massachusetts. Oh, hush you. Um, Linda Robin? Blair. Maybe. No, no. Maybe. Linda Blair, no. She 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 only had uh well, she only had the exorcist. She had a couple of very, very bad B-grade movies, and then she disappeared. She's not an yeah, actor. I, I, I could have maybe gone with her. Um, I, I, but no. yeah, like I said, Laura Dern would have been my second choice. No, my second choice would have always been Goldie, for sure. And Heather Langenkamp no. was also considered for the role of Lydia. Nah, but no. But she turned it down because she didn't want to play a goth girl. Um, Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams, Christopher Lloyd, Jim Carrey, Tim Curry, Jack Nicholson, Bill Murray, Robert De Niro, and John Cleese were all considered for Beetlejuice. Bill Murray, I would have actually gone with outside no. of Michael Keaton. No. Oh, come on. He would have been great as that one. No. Really? Honestly, Jim Carrey would have thought... would... Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey would have been over the top. Off better. No, I wouldn't like he would have been too over the top. Plus, he was and already I, no. But he honestly, Jim Carrey's the closest thing to the way Michael Keaton played it. Yeah, but I still would have thought that Bill Murray would have been ridiculously over the top. But personally, I would have loved to have seen Tim Curry do it. I would. I would love to have seen Bill Murray because Bill Murray can do no wrong, as far as I'm concerned. Have yes. you seen what was that? Lost in translation. No, I haven't seen that one. Boring. I. I honestly kept. I. I've never seen it because I keep falling asleep 15 minutes in. Yeah. 
Okay. I still don't understand why it was nominated for a best picture. And I still find it oh, hang on. Wasn't... that Sofia Coppola is pissed off that she didn't get best picture or best director when she was up against the entire Lord of the Rings franchise. It's like, seriously, girl? You're yeah, that, that so, good. so that was that ditzy girl that, that did Lost in Translation. It was Sofia Coppola. Her, oh, that please. was her directorial debut. Yeah, after she after she was in a very bad uh, Godfather Part 3. And, and, and honestly, it was boring as batshit. I, I think the only reason it got nominated for anything was because her daddy pulled the strings. Yeah, oh, exactly. And do you know why um, she was actually in the Godfather Part 3? They originally wanted Winona Ryder, but she said no because she was in pre-production of Beetlejuice. Oh, I didn't know that. No. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Pre-production of Beetlejuice, so she oh, said no. Oh, apparently Alec Baldwin really dislikes the film and is very unhappy with his performance in it. Well, how could it be unhappy? It's only just been, he's only just started his acting career in this one. Oh my God. my God. Adam's yes. black and white checkered shirt is the exact same one born by Tom Selleck in Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> no, I like the repurposing of that one. I love it. I think our podcast tonight's going to, today is going to be like an hour and 67 minutes. Yeah, we, so we keep getting sidetracked. There's a lot of trivia with this one that's fun. I know. Like like Tim Burton wanting Sammy Davis Jr. to play Beetlejuice because he's his favorite actor from childhood and the and studio nixed it. Oh, well, let's try and get through the rest of this movie. So horrified, Lydia summons Beetlejuice for help, but he will only help her on the condition that she marries him, enabling him to free freely cause chaos in the mortal world. Now, she basically says, listen, you know, I, I can let you out because I want to get in. And he's like, well, okay, you want to get in? And she's like, yes, I want to get in. He goes, okay, well, yeah, whatever reason you've got to get in, that's fine. But I want to get out. And you need to help me. And the only way you can do that is by marrying me. So she's like, oh, okay. So he saves the Maitlands and disposes of Maxie and his wife and Otho and then prepares a wedding for a, with a ghastly minister. The couple intervene before the ceremony is completed with Barbara riding a sandworm through the house to devour Beetlejuice. Finally, the Dietzes and the Maitlands agree to live in harmony within the house. Beetlejuice, meanwhile, is stuck in the afterlife waiting in the waiting room. There he agonizes, uh, sorry, he antagonizes a witch doctor who shrinks his head. Being Beetlejuice, however, he remains upbeat and states that it's fine for him. It's a good look for him. And Lydia dances happily away with the ghosts. Because she actually got a she got an A in a um, mathematics yeah. test. Oh, there 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 is one thing I do I do have to share with you though. The movie goes black, and that is the end of Beetlejuice. Well, she floats up dancing. That's right. Does yeah. the next Calypso dance? Yeah. Um, but just before the dinner party scene, Delia mentions to Lydia that one of their guests is a writer for Art in America magazine. In the very last scene, when Delia shows Charles her latest sculpture, there is a copy of Art in America behind him with a picture of Delia and several of her sculptures on the cover with the tagline, Images of the Afterlife. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. I love that. Now, there were some alternate endings. Yes. Or alternate versions. Yeah. So there's three, three of them. Okay. A work print of the film surfaced with some added alternate scenes. This version of the film runs around two minutes shorter than the theater release, has a few extra scenes and is missing some others, is in black and white and has a time code on the bottom. Um, let's see. The extra scenes. There's an added scene where Lydia is developing the picture she took of Adam. Oh, yeah. That was the thing, too, is the next morning after she took the Polaroids of the Maitlands in the sheets, yeah. she's showing them to her parents as eight by tens. You can't make 
um, there's no negative to make prints from from Polaroids. No, you can't. No, there isn't, is no, there? No, you can't. Because there is, it's an, it's an automatic camera. All right. So an alternate scene is the scene where Adam attempts to leave the house after him and his wife die is different. Instead of a desert, he sees an empty darkness filled with rolling cogs. There's an added scene where Lydia is developing the picture she took of Adam and Barbara. And then after her mother yells at her and blames her for cutting holes in the sheets, Lydia runs upstairs and tries to convince her dad the pictures are real. There's more to the scene where the adults search the attic for the ghosts, where we see the desert monster trying to eat Adam and Barbara as they hang from the attic window. There's also a two extra two minute scene at the end where we see Lydia riding her bike home from school and her parents talking to Jane on the phone, telling her they don't want to sell the house. They should have included that. They should, <laughs> they have, should have definitely. Lydia's dancing scene is shorter in this version and there's no scene with Beetlejuice in the waiting room. The film ends with a final exterior shot of the house. Uh, when Disney bought the rights to Beetlejuice to air on the Disney Channel, they cut out several scenes, including the scene of the second sandworm head emerging from the mouth of another one. In the original version, when Adam and Barbara leave the model, Beetlejuice kicks over the model and screams, you know, and then makes honking sounds while he grabs his crotch. In the Disney version, an alternate take is used where he kicks over the trees, spits, and stares up at Adam and Barbara. Several shots of Beetlejuice attacking the Dietz family as a snake were removed. The scene where the receptionist in the afterlife is in the waiting room reveals she killed herself was removed. And a scene during the dance number where the Dietzes all moon each other was also removed. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So that's that's good for that. Uh, I like some of the continuity errors that we've got. So Otho opens a can of spray paint and hands it to Delia, who opens it again. Yeah. Now, one Whoops. of my my one of the more interesting trivias for this is when Adam and Barbara are in the office the, in the afterlife, a voice on the PA system announces flight 409 is arriving at gate three. United Airlines flight 409 crashed into a mountain in Wyoming on October 6th, 1955, killing all passengers and crew aboard. At the time, it was one of the worst plane crashes in history. And to this day, no one knows why it crashed. That's scary. That's, yeah. that's very scary. Yeah. I like and, one of the, sorry, I was going to say one of the character errors, which I find interesting, is when Lydia is talking to Beetlejuice in the model, he says, come to think of it, I don't have any rules. But later at the wedding, he warns the preacher, oh, uh, nobody says the B word, which of course is a rule. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's oh, true. when Lydia is writing her note and pulls off the top sheet, you can briefly see the same wording, I am alone, in pen in the new section of the paper. Not to be confused with the pen indent on the page underneath, likely a prepped prop for multiple takes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, there was something about the 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 um uh the play the football team actually was based on an actual plane crash with a football team. Oh really? Yeah, oh, they yeah, killed that's... most of the players and stuff. Yeah, I like some of these little continuity errors, which really doesn't make any any you know, interest to the movie. When Beetlejuice switches his number with the voodoo guy, he drops his his number on his lap and it falls between his legs. Then when he picks it up, it's to the left of his legs. That's, yeah. So that doesn't even, doesn't even matter. Yeah, there's a lot of little. There, there's a lot of yeah. But now this one's good. At one point, Tim Burton considered Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
for the role of Beetlejuice. However, <laughs> the, Tim Geffen, the Geffen Company felt that due to Schwarzenegger's reputation at the time as an action star, he people wouldn't take it seriously. But Burton approached Schwarzenegger anyway, and he turned it down as he was busy shooting The Running Man in nineteen, which was nineteen eighty seven. Oh God! That's no, hilarious. No, I don't know Schwarzenegger. No. Now, now that now have have you considered this? Okay. Beetlejuice's black and white striped outfit suggests he's a prisoner to the curse that's befallen him. Oh, I didn't think about that one. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Okay. Oh, this is an interesting little continuity error. After Otho climbs through the window, causing the blind and draped to fall down, we see him holding the crumpled up drape in a close-up of him and Delia. When the camera cuts back, the drape is nowhere to be seen. Otho Fenlock was named after Otho, a Roman emperor of only three months, January 15th to April 16th, 6980. Really? And Bill Pullman was also considered for the role of Adam. John Candy, John Goodman, and Bob Hoskins were considered for Otho. Oh, okay. That's yeah. an interesting one. Lydia's age is never stated, but Winona Ryder was 17 when the movie was filmed, and Barbara refers to Lydia as a little girl. So it's possible the character is supposed to be about 13 to 16. I honestly thought she was supposed to be around 16 um, because of the way she is. And quite honestly, it's not uncommon for a stepmother to refer to, you know, to, to, to talk down to her as if she's a child. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although as a stepmother myself, I wouldn't do that to my stepson. No. So in saying that, I think we've actually gone through all the Beetlejuice for this episode, haven't we? Yeah, I think so. There's really not much else we can do. Nope. All right. So I think at that note, we should then sign off and say that we will come back next week with another movie. We haven't, we haven't chosen... We haven't chosen what movie we're going to see next. I thought we were going to do Jaws. Well, we're going to do Jaws. Is that really, is, is there really a lot to talk about with Jaws? Well, but our listeners might appreciate a shorter, a shorter episode. Okay. Well, we, we <laughs> might, <laughs> we might come back and do Jaws or, or another movie. Who knows what we're going to come up with? We're going to come up with something. We don't oh, have any hilarious. predetermined Charles ideas. Charles Dietz is shown reading a magazine called The Living and the Dead. The interior of the book is actually an issue of Macworld from January 1988, and the original prop was sold on heritage auctions for $1,375. You can get the, the prop of um, the handbook for the recently deceased. You can? Yeah, on eBay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I was looking at it the other day. It was like, it's rather interesting how you can go and find the, the like, it's just, it's just a, um, you know, a, a fan made prop. Yeah. But it, but it looks still, really it's just, good. It's just fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, so how many film reels would you give this one? Um, I would give this with Michael Keaton's performance. I'd give it a four movie reels out of five. Okay. There's really nothing that I can really sit there and pick at this movie and say it was bad. I mean, outside of Jane being the worst person on the planet, um, I would give it a solid four. It's there's are there are you know parts of this movie that you'd sit there and go, aha, uh-huh, that's really not possible. Like obviously the camera scene and the and the accident. But outside of that, it's it's pretty much a, a great all-round fun movie to watch. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't let you know very young children see it because there are some um, rather scary scenes. Um, yeah, Dudley Moore was also considered for Beetlejuice. Fantastic, but outside of that, I would definitely give it a, definitely a solid four. What would you give it? <gasps> Pardon me, I just had a burp. A burp there. It was a hiccup. Uh, Sorry, a, a, it was kind of a hiccup. 
Higpip. Higpip. <laughs> what would you give it out of out of five? I'd give it a solid three. Three out of five. Yeah, it's yeah, it's okay. it's a fun movie. It's a good movie. It's got lots of interesting trivia. There are a lot of trivia. But it it's not something that I'd race to watch. I mean, honestly, I'll I'll probably wait about another twenty years before I see it again. No, I mean you could really revisit it every year, once a year. Yeah, that honestly, that would be a little too much. Too much. I mean, every mm. every two or three years, maybe. I mean, I think this is the first time in like five years I've seen Beetlejuice. Yeah, it's the first time I've seen it. I don't remember. But funny enough, about this, the, the movie still does hold up. I it mean, does. You can, it really you can still does. watch this and enjoy it. You know, it's there are some. You know, There's it's nothing just, aside from um, Gina Davis's hair. There's nothing that screams '80s about this movie. Yeah, exactly. No, Michael Keaton is absolutely amazing in this role, and I think that it was so well cast. I think all, yeah, all I the think cast it was is, exceptionally well cast. Yeah, I think everyone in this movie was was perfect the way it, yeah, the way they agreed. were. Agreed. All right. So, in Great. saying that, should we then sign off and say that we will see you next week on uh, Home Class Movie Chat? And in the meantime, we'll see you at the movies.